Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Three Crosses podcast. My name is Buzz Hanna, and I'm the pastor for young adults and families here at Three Crosses Church. I'm really excited for this week's episode because I get to share with my friend, Kyle Wilson, about the way that the Lord is building self-control into his life, both in the moment and over the long term. This is a little bit of a heartfelt episode because Kyle's able to share with us a little bit about his experiences, helping bring some relief to the devastating campfire up north. Uh, We talk about leaning into some of our ministry projects around the Bay, such as Operation Christmas Child, as well as Kyle's history with the Lord and what it means to walk step-by-step and day-by-day into a self-controlled life that brings richness and fullness through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm really grateful for Kyle's friendship and just his faithfulness and walking alongside Christ here at Three Crosses Church. And I know you'll be blessed as we listen. So let's hear what Kyle has to say. Kyle, thanks for joining me here on a busy week heading into the holidays and obviously quite a bit of things going on up north. Yes, a lot of stuff going on up there. So before we get into that a little bit, why don't you tell us uh, who you are, what you do here at the church, maybe how long you've been coming around, just a, a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Kyle Wilson, and I am one of the ministry coordinators here at Three Crosses. I help with uh, men's ministry and our young adult and families ministry. Um, the way I look at my position is I'm here to help you, Buzz, and Mark Campbell look good and do what you guys do best with talking with people and pastoring and shepherding. Um, while I take care of some of the, the back-end stuff that can easily tie down, uh, you know, tie you guys down when it really, I'm here to help. So if your job is to make me look good and Mark look good, that's a big job. Oh, it is. Oh, I'm not saying it's a small gig, but hey. It's a it's a miracle. You can help <laughs> us look non-disastrous, but um, I'm really grateful for the work that you do to support our ministries and the call that God's put in your heart to serve us around the church. And so how long was it that you've been coming around to Three Crosses? So the first time I came up to Three Crosses was, I don't know, 17 some odd years ago when my mom, uh, she got married um, up here. And so we had the ceremony up here a few years, you know, fast forward another five years or so. My sister got married up here and had the services, but I never actually attended. It wasn't until I would say 2007. Um that I came up here and I came to a couple six thirteens and enjoyed it. Um, but never really stuck because Sunday nights were my softball nights and that's what I did rather than going to church. Um, and then finally in 2000, um, when was that? 2012 or 2011, actually the end of 2011, I came back up here, um, and knew I needed something to be different. And I was getting really stagnant in life. I wasn't meeting anybody new. I was doing the same things with my friends every weekend, pretty much every night. Like something felt off. So I came back up here. Um, It was a 613 on, actually, it was January 16, 2011. And the message was called Believing People Belong. It was just talking about community and being part of a community up here. And that was the night that um, Christ just really grabbed a hold of me and said, hey, we're going to do something different. Believing People Belong. Yep. And so then you took a, a second step into one of our communities up here, which was the Soma community. Yep. It was Soma because that night at Believing People and Belong, it was um, highlighting both our college ministry practice and our young adults, Soma. Um, at the time, Mark Campbell was leading it. So they had a meeting that next, I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever it was. And so I went and plugged in there and got to meet some people. And we trapped you. Ever. Quickly. 
sense. Mark trapped me really quickly. I wanted to be the guy that just sat in the back and just listened and, you know, see what this whole thing's about for a while. But that first night, Mark goes, hey, you're going to film a video for me. We're doing our winter retreat. I need you to say this, 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 and this. I'm like, um, I have, I've never met you. I've never <laughs> been here before. I'm certainly not going on a retreat. And now I'm in the commercial. <clears throat> That's good. I think you're still waiting for your payment from that. Um, and then you broke in working here actually in the cafe. Isn't that right? Yeah. So um, that next year, uh, 2012, I started coming around and they were starting a new cafe. I was talking with Mark <clears throat> Campbell and his wife, Kathleen, was starting the cafe up and she needed some help and I was looking for a new job. So they hired me as the assistant manager. And so I started, that was my first position here at the church was assistant manager for cafe four. It's like assistant manager or assistant to the manager. We're not really sure. <laughs> and then, so then you morphed into helping with men's ministry and then now morphing into helping with all sorts of ministries around the church. And yes. It's kind of cool to see how God guides you and uses open doors and closed doors and opportunity to steward us into his kingdom. Oh yeah. I'm very thankful for how he got me here and then what he's been able to do since. Yeah. So one of the, one of those things that ministry coordinator does a lot is the logistics and practical side and setup and purchasing and tear down and all of that kind of a deal. And obviously with uh, wildfires up North, um, there's a huge need for all of that. You know, we're recording this here in late 2018 and the paradise wildfire has just come through and you spent some time up there this past week. You want to tell us a little bit about the situation there and some of the needs that are facing people in that situation? Yeah. Um, so they're calling it the campfire. Um, and cause of where it started was near camp Creek and, um, it started up really quickly and it moved through the town of paradise very fast. Um, it's pretty much wiped out majority of the buildings in paradise. Um, I've been last couple of days up in Nevada, um, Gardnerville, Nevada, because that's where my dad was actually staying with some friends and, he was on his way home because he lives in a town called Megalia, which is right above Paradise. Um, and so he got the evacuation order as like as he was driving home. So he just stayed up there. Um, and he's been up there working with some people. There's a it was a company called Kokomo's Catering, and they were um, wanting to pull together and donate a bunch of stuff to the people up there. So I was able to go with my dad and serve and help sort through donations and help get them packed up so they can go down to paradise or Chico now is where everybody's at just to help feed people and clothe them and give them gift cards to help them get the necessities necessities that they need. Yeah. When, when a disaster like this strikes, we always talk about getting people necessities. What are some examples of things that we view as necessary? Um, a lot of hygiene equipment like toothbrushes, toothpaste, soap, uh, feminine hygiene products, just all the stuff that's we use every day that we we sort of take for granted. But then when you when you lose everything, you're like, well, I can't even brush my teeth right now. Yeah. And some people got out with just the clothes that they were with. They didn't even have their phone, wallet, nothing. So for those that don't have their wallets and stuff like that, they don't even have cash. So they were collecting gift cards to just to help them purchase things that they need and figure out uh, another big one that we heard that they needed were tents and sleeping bags because they've all, a lot of the people have moved into the Walmart parking lot or the old Toys R Us that's there. Um, and they're sleeping out in a parking lot. So families needing tents just to help keep them protected from the elements. It's getting to winter and it starts getting cold up there. Yeah. So you're talking about a place to sleep, a way to get clean, 
food and yep. water. These are the necessary yeah. things. You know, as I think about this week, we're focusing on the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control and how being rooted in Christ produces those things. I think so often we conflate those things that we really need with things that we want. You yeah. know, like I think of my phone as a daily necessity. Like I left my phone at work overnight one day and it felt like, oh man, I'm going to have to go back to work to get my phone. I need this. I need it. But I still had my toothbrush. I still had my towels. I still had a bed to sleep in. I still had my clothes. Yep. My phone wasn't a necessity. Yeah. And I feel like that's one aspect of self-control is leaning away from those things that you just want to have and into the things that you really need to have. Yeah. Cause it changes the way you look at things when you sit down and say, I want this car or I want this house or gaming system or something like that. But it's like, okay, you might want a specific car, but what you need is transportation to and from work. Like, yeah. does that mean getting a brand new truck? I would love it to be a brand new truck that I, I need, but definitely don't. It's something I want. Yeah. I was thinking about that. We're turning our attention towards Christmas a little bit and Christmas gifts. I asked my son on the way to school the other day, what do you want for Christmas? He's like, I want a Nintendo switch. And I was like, guess, <laughs> guess again, <laughs> we're not getting that. No way. No how. And then even thinking about how, like my kids have pretty much everything they need, most of what they want. And so at times when you can accumulate more, even trying to introduce ideas of scarcity and turn them away from like, you don't need a gaming system. Like you need a way to spend time with your brothers. So kind of like you're saying you need transportation, but you don't need the newest fanciest thing. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, one of the things I really loved that our kids ministry is doing this uh, Christmas season is helping with the operation Christmas child, just loading, packing, sorting boxes and, even my kids getting excited about going and buying those gifts for others and then putting their time and energy and effort into loading those, I think it's pretty cool and showing them like you have what you need. Like, yeah. And it's, um, Annie and I started doing that probably about four years ago and there's this different happiness and joy that you get from even packing and stuff. It's like, I'm buying stuff for other people and get to send it off. I don't get to, I'm not going to use any of it, but there's still this, like I got to be able to support and, share love and give something to somebody that doesn't have anything to me. It's just another level of, you know, that joy that comes with serving people and giving stuff away. Yeah. I think a lot of times we think about self-control as not doing the bad things. Uh, and I think there's an aspect that we're kind of talking about with service and contentedness that self-control is doing the good things, acting out and doing acts of service or giving it away. You're talking about Annie. That's your wife, of course, and she yes, works she here is. with our elementary students. Yep, and has kind of spearheaded this. I'm really grateful for that. And um, we're also working on connecting with uh, a church in Chico, a partner church through our um, Christian Missionary Alliance, to help give back and serve the fire victims. Yes, and so listeners will be um, coming out with more details about just exactly how and what we're going to partner with going north. But I don't know. You were kind of sharing. Did you go up to the Santa Rosa fire? Um, six months ago when that all went through? Or? No, I, I didn't go up there, but I know there were some um, people here that did go up there um, to help supply water and food and just take care of them, uh, the people and the victims in that immediate need that they had. Um, but as I was telling you earlier that come six, eight months later, you didn't hear too much about the, the fire anymore. Um, and I, I used to live up in Chico 
and family in Megalia and up in that way. So this fire hit me a little closer to home than the Santa Rosa one did. And um, some of the people I've been talking with or hearing on the news is with all the immediate needs that <clears throat> that's going up there, clothed and everything, like it's necessary and they need to be clothed and fed and get shelter. But we often lose sight of the long term. Like it's somebody referred to it as it's not necessarily a sprint to get this all taken care of. It's a marathon. Like we have to support their immediate needs, but then there's going to be needs that come much longer down the road, finding new residents, finding new ways of transportation, helping them find new jobs um, that we often don't think about because a lot of, a lot of the uh, people in paradise, like that's, it wasn't just where they lived and they commuted a lot of places. Like some of them maybe commuted down to Chico, but a lot of them worked and lived right there in that community of Paradise and Megalia. And now their companies are gone. I mean, even their place of work, they can't even go into work if they wanted to tomorrow. Yeah. So it's important to get the toothbrush in in the short run, but who's helping in the long yes. run, you know? And so the Santa Rosa fire is kind of an example of that. Like yeah. we haven't had that on the forefront of our hearts or minds or prayers, or sometimes you hear a story here and there, but are we really leaning in to care for a long period of time or is it taking care of something? just immediate. You know, I kind of view self-control in the same way. You know, a lot of times we think of self-control as resisting temptation right in that minute, kind of overcoming an incident or like you see the donut on Sunday morning in that beautiful pink box <laughs> and walking past it Yes. versus a long run or a lifetime of good choices. Yeah. So, and I see that even play out in my life and with my finances. Um, when Annie and I got married, we had an opportunity to go through the Dave Ramsey's um, Financial Peace University. And it was a lot about, hey, here's your immediate need. Save your emergency fund so if something comes, you have it available. But the lo- it was a long-term game. It was saving and paying off debt and getting to a point where later in life you're not worrying about living paycheck to paycheck. You have the buffer. You have you know, the finances under control so you can actually give – money and give stuff away to people more than you would ever imagine. And it was a long-term game. And with Annie and I, I'm, I'm currently going into school. I'm in seminary right now. And so trying to think like, I don't want to take loans out to pay for this. So where do we save and cut back a little bit in life that we would love to do maybe traveling or buying something new or, but how do we look to save? Because I need to be able to pay that off when tuition comes up. So that way I'm not paying tuition 10, 15 years down the road. Yeah. So self-control and finances then is a similar long-term game. Yes. Like it's not just avoiding buying that switch one time, but it's every month, every budget, every expenditure, every whatever. Has that been pretty easy for you? Pretty natural for you to see finances in that way? Or has this been a struggle? Oh, this has been a struggle. Um, I've never, never viewed money in the way that I view it now. Um, when I was going through college and stuff, it was whatever I wanted. I got it right then and there. Even if that meant, I mean, most of the time it meant me using a credit card. Um, and yeah, I was living off a financial aid and credit card for most of my college career. So and that is not just to be clear. That is not a good plan. No, you college students who are listening. <laughs> please do not do that. Please do not. Because I was paying that debt off for years to come. Um, I was lucky enough to get a, a job at one point that helped me pay off that quicker than normal, but 
it was still something that I never really focused on. What's the long-term money game? It was, oh, I want to buy this. I want to buy this. I want to go do this. I want to travel here. And that's what I did. Yeah, money is a tool for instant gratification, not for long-term goals and needs. Yep. That's kind of a self-control issue at its root. And I think what's so tough, especially when you are kind of younger, college, and maybe just out of college, and maybe getting money that's your own for the first time, the way that your friends and your peers are all spending their money isn't always the same priorities that you have with your money. And so if you're going to show a little bit more self-control, say, than your friends at college, it can be really lonely because they all want to go out to bills and they want to go see a movie and they want to go do whatever. And that always costs money. And so when you say no, it's not just a money thing. It's not just the event thing. It's a loneliness deal. Yeah. And I was one of those guys that would give you a hard time if you said no or, hey, you don't want to do this because you didn't have the finances. One, I'd try helping you. Like we had our group of friends in college, like we'd help Hey, you can't afford it. No problem. We'll take care of it this time. But then that, again, I would put that on a credit card. So now I'm further in debt, even though I'm helping them in that moment to be a part of that instance, or I'd give them a hard time for not showing up because they didn't have the finances or they're trying to be wise. And I just didn't see it back then. Yeah. Yeah. Wisdom. I remember our wisdom literature series we did last summer in main service. I really liked that. Was that last year? Who knows? I'm getting old, Kyle. My years are all running together. But uh, I remember Danny, uh, Pastor Danny Strange gave a message about how folly uh, or foolishness calls around in the streets, but wisdom is like up in a tower. And like the normal person, it's hard for them to find that wisdom. It's easy to find foolishness. It's easy to find a party. It's easy to find somebody calling you out to go do whatever you want to do, even if it's not necessarily a bad thing, if it's not coherent with your longer term goals. You know, even you're talking about being generous to people and inviting them to come out and paying alongside, but that was in a sense, forgive me for saying so, but like foolish generosity that you couldn't oh, it definitely afford. Was. It um, was. Whereas now, as I'm hearing you kind of get into your finances and a little bit more of a longer term plan, um, you can have real true planned generosity. Yes. Yep. And not, uh, in a generosity where it's, I'm okay. Cause God's been able to help me save and help me with my self-control, my finances. So now I can go and buy some gifts for operation Christmas child or to send to Ukraine or give to different people that need it. And I'm not now stuck with debt because of it and realizing, wow, I didn't actually have that money to spend. So there's not a guilt associated with it. it. There's a just happiness and joy to be able to do that because God's helped me manage my finances a little better. Yeah. I think there's just so much guilt in the area of finance in general. So whether you're saving and being generous and then it's like, can I actually spend money on myself? Or if you're being foolish and spending on yourself the guilt of not saving, I don't know. I think the Lord's setting us free from that. We really need his grace. I think in every, every area of our life. Oh yeah. Cause it's, I mean, just because I've gone through that class and it's been a couple of years, it doesn't mean that it still doesn't happen. Like, I'm still figuring it out day by day. Like, okay, do I really need that? And oftentimes I don't even think that it's like, Nope, we're going out to dinner. And luckily I do have Annie by my side. So it's like, we can talk about these things back and forth. And is this something we really need to do? No, let's focus on making dinner this week and really being good for the next two weeks until next paycheck. And I'm not in this alone anymore, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice. I think Annie spent some years as a missionary overseas in a really poor area of the world. And, I assume that that formed her financial picture. Oh yeah. I mean, it definitely did. Um, even to, uh, 
little bit where she gets scared of finances just because she had to be so frugal over there with what she was given to be able to buy the food and and then even looking back to see how much the American dollar is to the Ukrainian Grivna, it's like, well, we're spending just a little bit here and we think it's not much, but it's like, wow, that can be such a game changer somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I've shared this before on the podcast, but my Romanian missionary partners, it's the same way. Like the dollars yeah. we spend here, like whatever we spend on rent in the Bay Area is like six months annual budget for those people for one month of an apartment. And so some of that's okay. And they've actually really helped me understand that my Romanian friends have. Like it's not your fault that you live in an expensive area. Yeah. Like it really is okay. Um, but at the same time, you don't need everything you think you need. Mm -hmm. How can you control yourself? And show wisdom and get what you need, even get some of what you want. I think that's okay as well. And being generous and, and paying it forward. So you're talking about this self-discipline and finances as a journey and something you really work hard on. Um, have there been other areas of your life that you felt like the Lord has really just given you a gift of grace in self-control, kind of like a miraculous of turnaround? Of course. Um, when I was in college, I was big into partying and drinking and having fun. Um, even to the point where even the beginning of college, I almost got kicked out because my grades suffered so bad, but it was like, I was fully in the social scene. And, um, and once, you know, I felt that even up to when I was, uh, coming around to church and I felt stagnant, like it was same thing. We get off work, we buy a six pack, we sit on the porch and just drink. And it really wasn't a, a drinking to enjoy. It was a drinking to get drunk. Like yeah. it was with that goal. Um, and I can see how easily with as much as I used to, how that could be a long-term factor in my life and trying to stay away from it and, um, have a hard time not drinking. But I want to say that God, like from the very beginning sort of gave me that, that grace and that miraculous turnaround where I've luckily not struggled with alcohol and giving it up and not drinking. Um, even now it's like, if I go out and have a beer, like I can have, I stick to one. I have one so that way I can enjoy it, but I'm not struggling with, Oh, I just want another one. I want another one. Cause that's not what God's calling us to. God's ha calling us to have a sober mind. And I think it's important. Even if I have a beer here and there that I still have that sober mind about myself. So I'm not putting my family at risk. I'm able to do what God's calling me to in those moments. Yeah. I think it's so cool to see some areas where God kind of calls us to partner alongside him and work hard and plan like finances. And then some areas where he just gives us grace yeah. to let something go like your dependence on alcohol. I think, I don't know. Sometimes we always are looking for a single solution. Whereas I think God, he works more diverse than he does. And I think it's, I don't often think about it, but thinking about how God has helped me with, the alcohol situation that now when I'm having these other struggles and self-control or man, man, being a good steward of whatever God's put in front of me, like I know I can't do it if I just push through on my own, like I need his help and knowing what, well, he has done that. He's done that so amazingly that I, it was a miracle to me. So why am I not remembering that God can do this change yeah. moving through here? Like God's going to do, not saying, Oh, I just need to do this myself. It's like, no, God has already done a work. Now I just got to remember that moving forward. Now lean into him more and have him guide me in that process. 
Yeah, I think that's such a cool principle that you're talking about. Working from where you've seen God work or give grace, where you've been successful in your walk from him, like use that as your starting point. Yeah. Don't use the unknown or the uh, pressure or stress that comes in every given situation. Like those are always new, but God's faithfulness is the same. It even is. if it manifests itself differently through our circumstances. Like I know God works because he set me free from these appetites. And then when I'm looking at yet another salad at lunchtime, like you can do it. He gives you the grace yeah. or you're looking at, can I go out with my friends for lunch or do I need to save the money? Like you have the grace to do it. Yeah. And it's, and it's a struggle trying to remember those type of things. Um, for me and Annie, we sort of built in a routine in our life um, that actually started when we were dating around Thanksgiving. And it was, well, even before that, we started going, hey, what was a high of your day and what was a low of your day? And then it morphed and it was like, we don't rem- want to remember the lows, so let's just come up with a few highs for our day. Um, and then around Thanksgiving time, we we're like, okay, let's let's add one more piece. Let's For this month, let's say, what are we thankful for in the day? Um and then that just kept carrying over even after Thanksgiving was done. Um, and then through one of my assignments at seminary, um, it was asking us to see where God's moving. So that was the third piece that we've sort of put into place. So every night we talk about, okay, what are we thankful for? Where have we seen God move in the day? And then what were some of our highs for the day? And to me, I think that's a great way to take the end of your day and look back. Okay, what has God done? What has he blessed me with? What has he given me? Where has he steered me in conversations or relationships or struggles? Um, and to remember that each and every day sort of helps that next day when it's like, okay, now this is happening. Okay, what's God doing in this? I'm not always perfect at it, but sure. it still helps. Yeah. yeah, I love that that mindful reflection. I think it's such a piece we miss so often in our spiritual walk, like looking back and seeing and remembering and I think the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, are filled with reflections on God's historic faithfulness. And as we add more of that in our life, like you're talking about, I think you can see it happening more in the current. So when you're remembering, as you shared, like, where did you see God working? You begin to retrain your brain and your eyes to see where is God working today? And then you can step alongside and, and jump into it. I remember Mark Campbell shared on a podcast a while ago that he is always on the lookout for stories of where God is moving. And I think he's really good at that. I yes. like to be that same way. Like God is working all around us. How can I see it and jump in it? And then it becomes less self-control, like keeping yourself in a prison and more self-control in the sense of jumping in to keeping in step with the spirit, which is what Paul goes on to say here in Galatians, that whoever's been set free by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. And if you do that, your life is going to look like love and joy and peace and self-control. All right, I love how you're sharing from your life about moments that you've met with the Lord and kind of a long-term discipline you've met with God and looking back at how he has changed your life from when you started engaging with him back in, what did you say, 2011 to now. So if there's somebody out there who's listening and they're taking their first few steps along the journey with God, you know, kind of you six or seven years ago, what are some things that you might give them to encourage them or things that maybe worked for you as you tried to incorporate this discipline of self-control into your life that might be helpful for them? I think looking for the, the small wins in each and every day. Um, back in 2012 or 2013, somewhere around there, I really wanted to get my weight under control. And I was lucky enough to have a customer of the cafe come over and she was starting to become a trainer and wanted to work with me. And I had um, Lindsay 
Q back then was also working in the cafe, so we decided to jump on this um, this diet, cutting out a lot of stuff, no sugar, no dairy, no grains. And when I first heard it, it was like, this is huge. No nothing. No, no nothing, No right? happiness. Yeah. No. I mean, you had meat. I could have steak, which <laughs> was great. Have meat. Yeah. Well. Um, but what was – and seeing such a big scope of what I had to stay away from was really hard because I had a big sweet tooth. Um, but going through that, I was told, you know, if you have that craving for chocolate, you know, go ahead and have a piece. Like don't have a whole chocolate bar, but go ahead and have that piece. And it's easy to look at, okay, I had some chocolate. Man, I didn't stick to my plan. But at the same time, I saw the win in it. Like I was able to have a small square of chocolate and get me through that that little small craving for the time being. And I didn't have the whole chocolate bar. So it was a small win in that book and just building up those small wins and saying, okay, I've done better. I've, I'm doing better. Not perfect. Help build in that long term of even now, like I haven't had a soda in a while. And it's not because, oh man, I'm so great. It's just because I've had those small wins of kicking it. Now I'm like, no, I don't even want it anymore. Yeah. You've grown into craving the right type of things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we look at that self-control journey that almost like envisioning this mountain you want to climb to the top of and how can I jump up to the top of the mountain? It seems so far away and it is, you can't jump up to the top of self-control mountain. You take a step by step day by day, whether it's one bite of a treat or saving a little bit of money, saying no to something, saying yes to something good in your life. I don't know. So, and that, and those little small things build to that long-term future that five, I mean, I've, made so much progress now, but I know like I'm nowhere where I would love to be or like to be with my finances or my sweet tooth and how I don't eat like the best I should. But knowing if I keep these steps up and I make these small wins, I make these small steps and especially bringing people around me that will help encourage me in that one, especially like Annie with my, my diet and my eating, she's a big help in trying to make sure, okay, are we eating right? And making those small steps to get better in the future. I hope, 10 years down the road, I'm doing even better. Yeah. I remember encouraging someone else uh, the other day that to think back five years ago and whatever they were doing five years ago. And do you wish that five years ago, you had made different choices to produce your life now? And I think all of us do. And, and certainly, and then thinking about that, like, man, I wish I had done some more wise things or some more long-term things or less instant gratification things five years ago. I would have reaped a different reward today. And then think about five years from now, you like in five years, do you want to be filled with those same regrets and those same mistakes? And next time it'll be different. One day I'll be able to hop up to the top of self-control yeah. mountain. Or do you want to lay that foundation now so that you can reap that reward five years from now, one year from now and for a lifetime. So Kyle, I really appreciate the way that you are walking out God's faithfulness in your life day by day, building a lifetime with him, uh, encouraging me and supporting me in my own. I'm grateful for you sharing your story with our listeners. Um, and listeners, I want to encourage you, if you want to reach out with uh, feedback or if you have a question for Kyle, or particularly if you'd like to hear more about our Operation Christmas Child Ministries or our fire relief uh, for the campfire, to email us at podcast at threecrosses.org and we'll be in touch with you. We're praying for you. We love you, and we'll see you next time.